Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. So today we're in John 12. And before we get started, I want to just quickly apologize. Yesterday I got back and I just, I was sick as a dog. And uh, so I just couldn't, couldn't put it together. Migraine of epic proportion, I couldn't even think. So I spent most of the afternoon and night in bed. So I apologize that we didn't cover um, John 12, but we did get the prayer time in. So that was good in the morning. Anyways, with that, let's go to God in prayer. Father, I'm so grateful for who you are and the way you love us and care about us, the way you speak to us. So, Father, I lift up this time. I lift up this reading to you. Holy Spirit, I pray you would guide us, that you would open up our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to you, to your wisdom, your insights, and that we could then figure out and hear from you ways to apply it to our lives on a practical daily basis. I pray, Spirit, for it to be you that speaks to us, nothing from me. And I just pray that this time would be bless, a blessing to all who hear it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So let's just jump on into chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived. Try to say that multiple times and then not get stuck. Let's go back. Verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't the perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was kind of one of the first times, that, or only times I can think of, where he rebuked his disciples in such a way. I mean, yes, he says something to Peter, I believe, but, you know, later. But this is really the first time that I remember reading him kind of scolding a disciple. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. And you would think right there that would like stun everybody, right? You will always have the poor among you but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Like it was his fault that he got raised from the dead. Verse 12. The next day, The great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Now, they knew that would be inflammatory to the Romans, right? Another king entering a city that they own. 
And you can think about it. I would think maybe they were a little cocky. Maybe they were like, yeah, this is going to go well because I'm a baller. And, you know, those Romans are really going to get taught something. But then, verse 14, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. So he's not coming in on a white charger. He's not coming in on in a chariot. He's riding a donkey's colt. Not even a donkey, but a colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had happened, had been written about him, and that these things had been done to him. So even his disciples didn't realize it at the time, that it was fulfillment of prophecy. Instead, they were probably as dumbstruck as, as the people. Like, what? You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God, and you're on a donkey's colt? Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now, now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee. With a request, Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell, the, tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their, li- their life will lose it while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. So think about earlier when, he, when Jesus told the Pharisees where he's going, they cannot come. But here, if you're a servant of his, if you're one of his people, you can go. Verse 27. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify my name. Glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had been thunder. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? And we think about it. They all knew what he meant in the lifting up concept. A lot of times when I was younger, I'm like, oh, well, they don't really know what that means. They, they don't know it's going to be crucified. But they knew. Verse 35. Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. 
Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of light. Again, that's, that's related to the, the pillar of fire that lit the way for the Israelites in the desert. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Even after he had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed your message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they, would, they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so that they can see neither with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet, at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith, for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me, not I'm sorry. Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that this has that, that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. And I really think about this. So that's the end. And... When you're looking at this and I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking about the human praise, it's again, easy for me to sit there and think, oh, those terrible Pharisees, they believed they wanted the praise of, of man more than they, than of God. How dare they? They're evil. They're awful. And I think about it all the time. Um, I do that. I don't stand up for God like I should in a group. Half the time I'm sitting there going and being that person who fades into the background. And so for me to judge those guys is ridiculous. But now let's go into and look at some of what A.W. Tozer says. Because he has a whole additional piece of information or viewpoint, naturally, to what, what is being said. He focused on John 12 through 13, so it's, which reads, The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of, of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. He writes, pride and arrogance sometimes gets, get into the church of God, and that's bad, brother. There's that tone of command, then the superior look and a superior bearing, pride and arrogance stick out all the way around. Watch out, Christian brothers and sisters, for the danger of arrogance, assuming that you are in somewhat somebody indeed. Let me say that. Watch out, Christian brothers and sisters, for the danger of arrogance, assuming that you are somebody indeed. God will never let let your 
let you hi-hat somebody else if you are a Christian. If you are a Christian, the Lord loves you too much to let you get away with that. And it's so true. I mean, I think about it. All the times I've tried to backslide and run away. Oh, no, he's been way more interested in keeping me. And my life becomes a complete disaster. And I wind up back with him. Tozer goes on. You may say, what will the Lord do then if I get arrogant and presumptuous, full of pride over my victory? Well, the Lord will rebuke you and chasten you pitifully. Take the example of Jesus, who would not allow any success of any kind, any temporary success to lead him astray. The Lord had no servants. He bossed no one around. He was the Lord, but he never took the tyrannical attitude toward anybody. Think of the human honor and recognition that came to our Lord Jesus Christ as he rode in Jerusalem on the Palm Sunday centuries ago. He put him, they put him on a little donkey, screwed palm branches and garments in the way, or strewed palm branches and garments in the way, and the mobs lined the streets shouting, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There was honor to whom honor was due. There was public acclaim. Jesus could have reached into the depths of his mighty power and become king overnight. But he dismissed the little donkey, went into the temple and cleansed it, and then a week later went out to die. Let's remember that they may be saying, Hosanna, but the next Friday they will say, Away with this man, crucify him, crucify him. A man highly honored today can be looked upon with scorn tomorrow. I think it is very spiritual advice that we should never tie ourselves up to a public opinion and never accept any successes we may, we may have today as being due to our superior gifts. Let's thank God for anything we get and then go on with the Lord. That's some really sage advice. Everything we have came from God. Let's thank him and move on. Because I do that all the time. I sit there and look at all these wonderful things that are happening. Oh, they're because you're awesome. You're so smart. You're a great businessman. You're super witty. You have insights that are amazing. <laughs> all of that is stuff I say. And I then get wrapped up and I start believing it. Even worse. The key here is let's thank God for anything we get. And then go on with the Lord. With that, let's go back to God in prayer. Lord, I come before you just seeking out the ability to be humble and to move on. To know that the blessings are yours, not mine. The praise is yours, not mine. That the joy is a byproduct of everything you do. The blessing is a byproduct of you and your act actions. Nothing I do. So, Father, thank you for your word today. I just pray and ask that it would go out and be fruitful. That those who hear it would, would be blessed by it. That there would be a growth in the people who hear it. And that you'd be honored and glorified by all of it. I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.